if we ever run for major office, we're totally canned. Because, oh, there's <laughs> because, no way it's happening. Are you kidding? We wouldn't because, even get jury duty at this point. <laughs> Welcome back to Reason Together, the podcast for Christians who think about stuff. I'm your host, Daniel Fox, here with my great friend, Thomas Balzamo. How are you this morning, Tom? Hi, fine, thanks. How are you? I'm doing well, doing well. We hope you enjoy the conversation today. We enjoy getting into the conversation. Uh, We, of course, this is how this whole thing started, is uh, Tom and I talking, and uh, we just keep talking. And uh, we want to thank those who, along the way, have uh, decided to become patrons and to support us on an episode-by-episode basis. We sure appreciate that and want to know that you help to uh, pay the bills for web hosting and domain name, and we've taken on uh, an editor to the podcast, though uh, I don't, we don't give him nearly what, uh, what he deserves, <laughs> and, uh, and eventually we would like to uh, take on an editor for our uh, newly launched blog and uh, and even remunerate our blog contributors, upgrade the mm-hmm. website to handle merch. So there's a lot of things that we want to do yep. in the days coming up. And uh, and you're you're a part of making that begin to happen. And if anybody else is interested, you say, what are, the, what are these guys doing? What do they need patrons for anyway? Well, there you go. There's some of the steps that we want mm-hmm. to take uh, that would just help streamline and get us to doing what, uh, what we want to do here. And that's sharing this content with you. Yeah, there are definitely other people that are involved in making this thing happen. And uh and and we've got some upward mobility here in the works that we're we're trying to aim for. So mm-hmm. uh if you would want to become a contributor to that, uh that is patreon.com slash reason together and uh, choose a support level there and that'll help us, you know, pair a blog editor better and and pay our our podcast editor better and, and all these things. So this uh, this would be helpful. So we do appreciate you uh, coming on board. Yeah. Now, um, I want to say that um, I have to say in the years that I have been here, um, 17 plus years, I think tonight I'm going to hit a first in ministry. Really? Uh, yeah. And that is that uh, for several years now, we've been Christmas caroling uh, mm-hmm. on a certain Wednesday in December. Mm-hmm. And... Um, and I, I don't know if it's record, but it, it seems record uh, that the temperature today, mid-December, is supposed to hit like 70 degrees. What? And so, so yeah, so we're supposed to be Christmas caroling, you know, and who knows, we could be like in a t-shirt and singing, you know, wearing our Hawaiian shirts in the bleak midwinter, you know, <laughs> and uh, it just, it'd be interesting, you know, like right. sweating and, uh, you know, <laughs> no. Wow. Anyway, no. Yeah, it's interesting. So it should be like a beautifully warm night. It's supposed to be windy, but, uh, anyway, yeah. that, that, that will be a first from what I remember. I remember being, uh, I remember the rain breaking loose one time right at the end of our caroling, just drenching us and, um, yeah. or near drenching us. And then, and then it's mod, you know, more or less cold, but today is unique. Neat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So <laughs> I guess that's how people in, in Florida live like all the time. Christmas. Yeah. With, uh, sweltering heat. Maybe. Yeah, I guess equatorial people, um, probably Christmas Carol too, maybe sometimes. Maybe not. <laughs> so anyway, thanks for joining us um, for another uh, episode. We were just kind of scanning questions. I, I know we won't cover them all, but one, uh, Tom, I thought that we kind of had, we had, we teased this one a while back, but hadn't uh, gotten back to actually dealing with it. Do you mind if I jump into the verbalizing the gospel? Go right ahead. Question. Okay. 
Uh, and that was basically just asking, as we're verbalizing the gospel, are there certain phrases that we say that um, that aren't really quite accurate or maybe that are confusing or misleading? Um, you know, presenting the gospel is something we feel uh, pressed to do regularly. Mm-hmm. And yet, how many, how many times and how many people don't really articulate it very well? And I'm not saying that you have to be perfect and that, you know, you're a newly saved person and you should know how to articulate a 30-minute gospel message as if you're, you know. But what I'm saying is, in our search for wanting clarity and wanting to express this foundational, transformational message, we ought to get it right. Um, sure. And... And so a couple of thoughts that came to my mind, and I'm looking for others and see what I want to see what you have to say, see what our listeners have to say. Maybe they're, maybe they disagree with me on, uh, on my thoughts here, but maybe they've got other ones that I haven't heard of or, um, or that they've thought of in the past. But one is uh, the most obvious one to me that sticks out all the time. I know what it is. Yeah. I bet you do. What is it? Ask Jesus into your heart that one no no but that is uh that (laughs) that that might be one too uh though i think technically there's i i do think that is a confusing one maybe yeah uh that the fact that scripture says christ in you the hope of glory says okay uh all right you know if you if you understand what asking christ into your heart is it's not my favorite phrase no um different people say you know with billy graham what was it um uh, make a decision make a decision for Christ, right? Hmm, or something like that. Right. Well, well, what does is, what is that mean? You know, asking Jesus into my heart. Well, what does that mean? Mm-hmm. Um, but what I was going to say is the going to heaven. Are you sure that you're going to go to heaven when you die? Right. Yeah. To me, that is, that is uh, quite unrelated. Uh, it's not unrelated. It, it is a tangential issue sure. that when I get Christ, I also get heaven for part of my eternity. Um, but if you understand eschatology, for me personally, anyway, I don't think that heaven's going to be the constant domain of the believer, mm-hmm. just as hell will not be the constant domain for the unbeliever. Hell will be cast into the lake of fire. And heaven, uh, one day we're going to have a new heaven and a new earth and a new Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. And I think we look forward to the joys of a new earth, which is super exciting. Yeah. Um, so, so besides it being you know, somewhat lacking maybe in its biblical foresight, uh, just the idea that, uh, you know, saved means going to heaven. No, no, saved means being reconciled to your God, to to mm-hmm. the creator God, um, by having that sin removed and, you know, being restored to your original purpose, kind of like how I like to put it. But so, so are you 100% sure that if you died today, you'd go to heaven? Well, that kind of brings in a reward as the issue, um, you know, like, um, if you, um, you know, if <laughs> I try to think of a, uh, pastor uses the, uh, marriage, um, analogy sometimes to say that, um, you know, when, when you're looking, when, when a lady's looking at a man to marry, is she just marrying him for the checkbook? You're like, <laughs> oh man, if I, he's, he's rich, you know, I can marry that guy. Well, to say, I want Jesus so I can have you know, eternal life and peace and all these things like that? Or is it, right. but, but when we understand that he that has the son has life, you know, there's a, there's a relationship there. But anyway, so the right. going to heaven is one for me. The other one though, that, that crossed my mind was when we say, 
that you have offended God. Your sin has okay. offended God. Yeah. What, what What do we mean by it has offended God? Can God be offended? It, it or, depends on what you mean by offended. Yeah, um, right. Because people don't use that word today in the same sense. Um, mm-hmm. So like we've talked about the word offended before. Whereas okay. where scripturally it's often used to refer to, to cause to stumble. Exactly. Right. That's true. <clears throat> the scriptural meaning. Right. And yet today it's used more that you have somehow hurt my sensibilities. <laughs> yes. And even that. <clears throat> even that I'm not sure. Is that, that fair to say about God? No, I wouldn't say that about God. Um, I think it's fair to say that there are times he is repulsed by things. Sure. There are things that are said to be an abomination to God. And yes. that, that word carries with it the idea of something that smells so badly that it causes you to repulse. Mm. So in a sense, I could see where you could eke out the word offensive okay. from that. Okay. Yeah. But is his sensibil- are his sensibilities hurt to where he's like, Oh, I don't like that. I'm offended. No, it, it's not. It it's not him, in the modern connotation of offended. Does it make him sound more like a millennial? <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm offended by your sin. You know, your, yeah, your no. sin hurt my feelings. Well, look, I'm. You know, he's the creator God who defines right and wrong, and um, <laughs> you know, and when I violate his design, uh, I am I am rightly alienated from him. Do I want to call that offending him? Yeah. Uh, not necessarily. What, any other thoughts that you feel like when we express the gospel, we say terms that are kind of weird or, or like man-made or um, hmm. don't help the issue? <laughs> no, I, I think you've kind of hit the big ones there. Um, okay. You, you've hit the big ones. I think it just comes down to just defining your terms when you speak to someone. And, you know, there, there are times where we take for granted the words that we use as independent Baptists, we take for granted that everyone understands our language and they don't. Yes. Right. <laughs> they right. really don't. Yeah. We kind of speak churchy to them and they- Right. And, and yeah. all you have to do is spend a little time in the real world and you start to realize people don't talk like that. And sometimes you, you almost have to put it in, in other terms that you know, if, if a Baptist friend of yours was standing next to you, they might think you're talking kind of colloquial. They might think mm-hmm. you're talking somewhat, you know, uh, I don't, I'm not wor- worldly isn't the word, but they might yeah, say, well, I understand he, he sounds like he's witnessing like, like an evangelical, like, like a modernist. <laughs> and it's like, I, I, I get it that that might bother you, but there are some people that just don't understand our churchy words and we have to use them and then define them in words they can understand. Um, <clears throat> that is so important is, is yeah. defining uh, our, our words and, and understanding. Yeah. What we're talking about, what we're being saved from what? And how, um, and you know, what's, uh, yeah, how does that happen? So understanding really the nuts and bolts of, uh, of salvation and of the gospel and, and then being yeah. able to express that. And there was one other thing, what were you saying? Um, defining our terms. Um, there was some other thought, other thought it'll come, it'll come around in the middle of the next discussion and then I'll like interrupt. Yeah. And... Well, I was thinking of a verse as you were talking earlier, mm-hmm. um, just the difference in, in, presenting the gospel from the standpoint of, you know, get saved so you can have the benefit of the gospel versus mm-hmm. 
become reconciled with God. And <clears throat> I think that is a very fair and very biblical thing that you were explaining. Yeah. And it reminded me of uh, that passage in 2 Corinthians um, mm -hmm. where he says, to wit that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing mm -hmm. their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Yes. So in a sense, what you're saying is entirely biblical that when we're asking people, you know, are you sure you're going to heaven when you die? That's really not the right question. Right. The right question right. is, have you been reconciled with God? Right. And maybe we have to find a different word for reconcile or something to make that more understandable. But that is the... Yeah. And, and to me, what really uh, a verse that 2 Corinthians 5.20 really encapsulates that when it says, now then we are ambassadors for Christ. Okay, that's that. Yeah, that's a good picture of the witness. As though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead. It's like we're standing here in Christ's place saying to you, and here it is, be ye reconciled to God. Mm -hmm. There it is. There's the issue. You need to be reconciled to God. And, and, and along with that, I can, we can talk about peace and joy, and certainly that reconciliation brings peace. But when we say, uh, look, you know, if you'll just, um, if you'll just um, pray and, and ask God, you, you know, to be, and, and we say, to be your Lord and Savior, now, that's not mm -hmm. necessarily wrong, but we, right. couch, we say that so fast, be your Lord and Savior. Um, what, what does that mean for him yeah. to be your Lord and your Savior? Um, and then we say, you know, then, then you can have joy and peace and, and yeah. happiness and blah, or whatever, whatever. Well, do they understand joy and peace and happiness like we, <laughs> like it's true? You know what I'm saying? Again, are we, right. are we conveying the idea to this person that, look, if you'll just kind of, you know, say these few things, then you'll be a happier person. And God promises you that, you know, bad things won't happen anymore. Well, yeah. No. Well, I think that oftentimes those who uh, evangelize and, and maybe don't, and I don't want to say this as if I'm some some expert, but but some who maybe struggle with knowing what to say, or maybe they've had poor training on it. The the word faith is a rescue word, <clears throat> and and what I mean by that is any time the person they're they're witnessing to struggles to understand or asks a question or doubts in any way what the person is telling them, they say, well, well, you just have to have faith. You just have to have faith. Just have faith. <laughs> to faith, faith, faith. And then they just throw the word faith at them like this. Faith! <laughs> just keep saying it and maybe they'll trust. Um, but I mean, even, even describing faith for salvation requires some explaining. Yes. Yes, it does. <laughs> you know, just tell somebody, just trust God for salvation. What does that mean? What, you know. What, yeah. How do I? You, what? Right. Trust. Trust what? And then you just need to have faith in what? Somebody says, "Oh, I, oh, I, I have faith." Yeah. Yeah. I have faith. I've had. I've had faith all my life. Or whatever. What right. does that mean? Well, yeah. that means that I count God to be firm and I rest on Him entirely. And and what He has said to me, I count to be true. And I, you know, and I right. say, yes, yes, God, what you said about me is true, and and what's what's true about you is true, and and. Uh, so anyway, good. Yeah. Well, I was telling someone at church the other day, <clears throat> um, I forget how we got talking about it, but I told them essentially this, the simplest way to, for you to learn how to evangelize is just 
just re, just define your own terms. Mm. So, so the terms you use, we talk about faith, we talk about repentance, we talk about the word gospel, um, we talk about these words in evangelism. Just know the biblical definitions of those words and explain them, right? And in a sense, that they kind of meld together uh, as you explain mm -hmm. them, and 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 they give you this this concept that that we call the gospel, right? You know, as we define these terms. Um, it's really the simplest way to learn to witness is just defining terms. Hmm. Interesting. Think about that. That's good. Yeah. I and mean, that's always, uh, so important. Of course, you know, we do that like every episode, <laughs> every right? Episode. Oh, well, what do you mean by that? Well, <laughs> that, that should be on a t-shirt. Mm, yes. What yes. do you mean by that? Um, <laughs> all right. So what do you want to hit next? Okay, um, you know we're gonna have to go with the don't peek here because um, <laughs> I'm I'm an inherently impatient person, and uh, you have tagged this question or this this topic with a don't peek tag. Yeah, so I'm not allowed to look at this until correct you deal with it on the podcast. So let's do that. And the and the only part that you can see merely says define debate. So speaking of de de uh, defining our terms here, uh, define what, how, how would you define debate? Okay. So, so you're just going to ask me straight out. You're not going to give me any lead in or any context. To the question. <laughs> just, just define debate. Okay. Oh, um, yeah, go ahead. Yep. All right. <clears throat> I, I would say that it, it entails a persuasion, uh, a persuasiveness in okay. conversation uh, with the ultimate aim of changing someone's mind. And I don't know that it's always the mind of the person that you're talking to. It may be the mind of other listeners who are hearing you talk. Um, mm -hmm. But in one way or another, debate involves persuasion with the aim that someone would change their position on something. Hmm. Okay. Um. Do you, do you think debate ever, um, yeah, so I, when you bring in the outside group, that that makes sense um, because it seems like often two people in a debate probably aren't learning from each other. It, it can be more of, no. a, it's less of a reasoning and more of a, I'm going to win the argument. Right. Well, that's kind of that's the nature of political debates anyway, and I know other yeah. debates are this way, is that the two people standing on the stage are not trying to convince each other. Mm -hmm. They they really mm -hmm. don't care about each other. They're trying to win the audience. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, and it's it, not and even it's, taking into consideration, you know, when they when they in a political debate, they don't take the other person's position and say, well, now, look, think about this. This is why it's wrong. They'll make some remark to skirt around it or whatever, and then they'll come back and make their own statement. Maybe, uh, maybe, maybe sometimes they just show why it's wrong. But um, my my point is that it's it, it's less reasoning and more argumentation. Whoever has the better crafted argument um, wins the debate, maybe, but hasn't really. Um, always provided a thorough reasoning. So anyway, my question then going on from that is this, um, and, and maybe my first statement here, it needs to be corrected because as I was thinking, I thought maybe there is a word actually, but um, is there any significance to the fact that debate is never encouraged in scripture? Um, 
and I guess that's the way I was picturing debate. Um, we're commanded to proclaim, uh, to reason. Uh, it talks about persuasion, but not necessarily mm-hmm. debate. Now, is there a word that I'm forgetting? There may be, you know, a word that has, but but I know, you know, Paul reasoned with them out of the scriptures. Um, did. We're supposed to, of course, proclaim the gospel. Yeah. Uh, God said, come now, let us reason together. Um, we're mm-hmm. supposed to persuade and convince, but would modern debate fall into that at all? I think it could. Um, there's okay. two words that I'm thinking of. Let me see if I can look them up and find the passage Okay, where, where it says of Paul that he was opening and alleging. Alleging. Yes. Yes. Uh, it's Acts chapter 17. So this, this must've been when he was in Athens, I take it. Um, it says in, in, in verse two, and Paul, as his manner was, went into them, went in unto them, and three Sabbath days reasoned with them out of the scriptures, which is the word you used. But then it says in verse three, opening and alleging that Christ must needs have suffered and risen again from the dead. Um, <clears throat> so, so the words opening and alleging—that's that's I think what we need to know what what that means. Um, mm-hmm there's some significance to those words. So the word alleging here, from what I can tell, uh, just means to, to put or place near someone. <laughs> um, am I getting so, that right? Mr. Right. Pre- essentially pre- to place beside. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. Right. So what, what does that mean from a standpoint of conversation? I would say that you're you're, you're placing you're placing uh, an idea, an argument, if you will, next to them or next to the line of reasoning. Okay, now con- say we're talking about this. Now consider this. You lay something else down next to it. That makes sense. Yeah. Or does it simply mean making it attainable to them? So, I mean, that could certainly be an implication of that. Uh, okay. You mean uh, laying it down next to them so that it's graspable. Correct uh, to them, sure. Because I, I, mean, I think I think that... I think it would be very parallel to the word "opening" that's used before it. Um, yeah, meaning very to similar open the, with... the understanding. Okay, and 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 again, yeah, right. So to open the idea, uh, to say, look at this more clearly. Let me lay it down here to where you can see, where you can handle that idea. Um, so in in that case, you're you're giving them a thought. Here's something maybe you haven't thought of. Look, look more intently at this idea. Uh, right. Handle it, you know, uh, interact with me about this thought. I'm going to lay it here within your grasp uh, in a way that you can attain it. it. I'm not putting it in so obscure of a way that you don't even know what I'm talking about because that wouldn't yeah. really be laying it beside you. Um, so, okay, <laughs> go on. What you so with your you, thought? I guess what I'm wondering is how do you see the word debate as being different from the scriptural words reasoning and opening and alleging and persuading how do you see the word debate different debate to me seems to be again sort of one-sided without a desire to learn i i merely i drill my points to win the argument um i don't necessarily stop to say you know, I'm in this to learn. Like you said, in a political debate, they don't care about the other side. They're not, they're not truly trying to, hey, why don't the both of us get together and let's hash out the best argument, you know, or let's explain. Now, granted, they feel like they've already done that coming to the debate, but yeah. then what's the point of the debate? I mean, 
with each other. And they don't right. really have time. They have time in political debates to just merely make bullet points. You know, I think we ought to yeah. do this, this, and this, and this, but not to really reason through um, and, and to say, so, hey, let's talk about this one issue of welfare. Now, how does, it, how does it hurt us? How does it help us? What's involved in it? What are the pros? What are the cons? What are the assets? What are the liability? Um, you know what I mean? You don't reason yeah, through well, it. You just go bullet point, bullet point. You look stupid. Yeah, well, you look this and that. And, and that can happen in debates in the workplace all the time, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, and you're adding to it, though, the element of um, ill will in in your illustrations there that, you know, you look stupid and this and that. You're adding to it, in a sense, something that doesn't have mm -hmm. to be there. Mm -hmm. Where, whereas debate, True. like, like for instance, if you're witnessing to someone who is, you know, a skeptic and they're totally opposed to everything you say, but they're willing to stand there and talk to you, are you willing to learn? I mean, are you, are you open-minded to what they have to say? I mean, probably not. <laughs> um, so in that sense, you are debating. Are you not? Mm -hmm. I see. I see. Yeah. Good point. But where, yeah. So, so what... Um, so what advice do you give to me, to me, when you, when you're reasoning through something, it's really all about the facts. Um, it's about the logic of it. it. As long as I can basically say, look, here's the facts, here's the logic. I mean, this, this has to be the conclusion, right? But in a debate, um, it just seems, it seems different to me and where, where now we need a warning to curb the pride of man. Now, maybe that's, that's unfair because honestly, even if somebody feels like he's a supreme reasoner and he's got all the laws of logic mastered, he's going to have, there can be pride there too. Sure. Um, but do you feel like debates, uh, and maybe, maybe again, by our different def maybe there's a difference in definition. Do you feel like, um, debates often turn South or are unproductive? And if so, why, and how can we what can we watch out for there? I don't know. I mean, they certainly can go south and they can become unproductive, but I think they are necessary at times because persuading someone else to change their mind maybe is not the only goal in, in a debate. Hmm. Hmm. So perhaps part of the goal is to at least... Um, show your bona fides, I might, might say it that way, to, to at least establish mm -hmm. that you have a position that can be debated. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and I think that like, if you remember there was years ago, uh, Ken Ham from Answers in Genesis right. debated With Bill Nye, Bill Nye. Um, the alleged science guy, uh, <laughs> right. who, who's <laughs> really not a science guy. Um, but I, I don't remember being super happy with how the debate went. Mm -hmm. Uh, honestly, <clears throat> I, I think Ken Ham, you know, could have maybe made a few better points than he did. Um, he seemed, seemed kind of weak at times if I remember. Right. Um, but <clears throat> I remember him being interviewed afterwards and basically saying his point was not to persuade Bill Nye, <laughs> um, ultimately, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. uh, he wanted to establish that the position of young earth creationism, uh, can hold up to scientific scrutiny. Even if you can't persuade someone else's mind, they at least have to walk away from that debate knowing, well, that was tough. <laughs> and I think for the vast majority that that are against uh, such views, they think it's just a super easy position to blow out of the water. 
Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. when you debate someone, you are in a sense using apologetical reasoning to establish at least some respect, some bona fides to say, okay, this guy's not as weak as I thought. His position was tougher than I thought. And maybe I should be more careful about just, you know, arguing with people like that in the future. Because um, <clears throat> I think the vast majority of, of skeptics out there, uh, they don't run into real Christians in their life. Uh, mm-hmm. Real ones who can actually, you know, go toe to toe and and hold up their positions and say, "Look, you can't just deny this so easily." Um, so it is a means of establishing a certain respect. Um, mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Even if you can't win them over. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. All right. Well, good. Hmm. Um, okay. Let me. Let me try to pick another one here. What kind of time do we have? Okay, good. Um, you have a quick one here on, on what is I, while we're defining terms. I have, and I, I don't know. Okay, <laughs> I don't know what. It All is. right, so <laughs> okay, maybe actually I could I could try. You but probably know this word. You probably know it. Do you, do you, are, are you looking at it? Do you see it? I am. So, so your question is, what is phronesis? Yes. Okay. What is phronesis? And that's P-H-R-O-N-N, P-H-R-O-N-E-S-I-S, phronesis. Yeah. And I would say that it has something to do with the mind or the understanding. Am I? Yes. Am I, okay. The brain? Yes. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, sure. I'll give it that. A uh, shrinking of the brain. No. <laughs> no. Okay. No. Inflammation of so, the brain. So let me read. No. <laughs> let me read. No. Itis. Uh, okay, let, no. let me read this passage to you and see if you can find the word in there. Because um, the okay, word phronesis, so this is, like a, this is nice, a Bible okay. word. Oh, wonderful. And, and okay. I'll read it to you here in the English and you see yes. if you can pick it out. Okay. Uh, it's Ephesians chapter 1. Verses seven and eight, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace, wherein he hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence. Um, It'd be probably wisdom or prudence. Probably the wisdom is Sophia of some sort. So prudence. Yes, you nailed it. Yes. Mm -hmm. You got it. Yes. Uh, In fact, it is those two exact words, Sophia and phronesis. Okay, Um, great. I was trying to look up. Uh, a little bit about the difference between these two words last week. And mm-hmm. the word Sophia carries with it this a similar connotation to the wisdom of Proverbs in that it is an understanding. So it's like sure. um it's okay. not it's not a it's not a material graspable thing like that. It's 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 conceptual. It's it's just having kind of a savvy about life, right? And knowing how to think through things in, in, in a, a wise way. And the right, word because prudence, you understand the, the design for it. Mm-hmm. Yes. The word prudence here is similar, but involves more practical wisdom. I've heard someone define it this way, that, that, that Sophia is more intelligence about things uh, and phronesis is more street smarts. So it's hmm. practicality, practical wisdom. And if those understandings are right, in what ways, are, like how would you define the difference between them in any better way than I just did? 
Um, yeah, honestly, I'm going to have to look into that more um, as far as word definitions. But you're saying if that's the case, I um, that you know, wisdom is uh, say a knowledge of the design phrenesis is uh, is the ability to um, maybe apply that design in in actual encounters. Mm-hmm. I'm not for sure. Uh, I'd have to look at that. Tell you the truth. Well, what what I I guess ultimately what it what I'm getting to is I found it very interesting how um, you can see that in some ways, despite the fact that this is divinely inspired scripture, which it is, um, <clears throat> the Apostle Paul was a learned man and in the cultural writers of his age. And, and, I, and there are others, other examples of this. He said to the men in Athens uh, about uh, you know things that their own philosophers had written. Right. Um, in one passage, I think it's in Philippians, he used a word that really was on, only made sense to people who, who in, in his day understood stoicism. Um, and, mm. then, and then here you see him using this word phronesis, which has a big history with, with the Greeks. Um, you know, and, and, and I don't have, an, I don't have my notes on this in front of me. I was preparing this for, for a message and kind of studying this on a message, but mm-hmm. I guess the, the Greek philosophers, which by all accounts were secular men, not Christian men, they viewed phronesis. They used this word as practical wisdom. They viewed this as one of the chiefest virtues, if not the chief virtue from which all other virtues descended. <laughs> um, and and it's interesting to see Paul writing to a church in Ephesus talking about God redeeming people and forgiving people for the purpose. In other words, in those things, he then abounded toward those people in all Sophia and Phronesis. I just found that really fascinating. And I wondered if you had any insights on the word, you know, with the... Your 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 fancy pants Greek skills. That, you know. All right, I'm my fancy pants on right now. I need to, I need to uh, uh, look into that a little bit more before I can come back and give you a better answer. <laughs> I'm sure it would be better input than I have on it. Um, but I did, I will highlight you know that it is so fun like that to to do word studies. Yes. Uh, that is just neat. And and to say, okay, where does that word derive from? And, and often, oftentimes, you know, words in, in, in Greek are compound words. So they're the, mm-hmm. they're the combination of two or sometimes even three words uh, to say, okay, so what, what is he actually picturing right there in that word? Um, and that's, that's fun. Or to be able to take a comparison like that and to say, well, what's the difference? Because there has to be a difference. Um, he's not being redundant. Uh, right. What is the difference between wisdom and prudence, and and what you know? How does that? Yeah, that's, yeah. that's neat. Good. Hmm. Glad you're enjoying it. <laughs> <laughs> well, if any of our listeners have any insights on to those Greek words, um, I could use help on that. I'd love to hear more. Do you about have it. any fancy pants of your own? If you would uh, right. <laughs> put those on one leg at a time and email us back at gmail dot com. Uh, all right, all right. Phrenesis. Um, you have this one on here. Um, actually, yeah. before we get to that, um, mm-hmm. this might be might be a short one. Um, 
I was listening to a news podcast a couple of weeks ago and they were talking about uh, criminals, right? Um, for instance, the man who drove his car through a parade full of people in Wisconsin. And um, the, 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 what's the word I'm looking for? The commentator um, alleges to be a Christian. And mm -hmm. he said something like, and I don't remember his exact words. I, I want this man to go to jail and I want him to rot there for the rest of his life and be forgotten. And I understand his passion. And, and frankly, right. I can relate to it quite a bit. Um, I can relate to that kind of passion regarding that. Um, the question is, is it inconsistent with Christianity? to desire that someone receive justice for their crime and even take delight when they receive it? <clears throat> no, short answer, no. Um, because, and I don't think we would question this, though it is important to, to state that um, Christianity obviously upholds a very um, uh, a specific, um, you might say, codified at least the concept of justice uh, that mm -hmm. there obviously is a justice that is a if you will a moral absolute um that there is justice and we ought to love justice because it emanates from the very character of god that it has to be just justice refers to something being just which means adhering to the law uh, which it means uh conforming to the lawgiver so Sure. Um, so the concept that there is a creator God who is the designer and definer of life and, and, and all of our interactions means that, uh, there is something like justice and we ought to see justice as a positive thing. We want justice. We want confirmation to yeah. his, uh, to his design and his well, nature. I, I'm not, I'm not denying that we should want it. I, I agree. We should want it. Yeah. What I'm asking is, should we, should we gleefully, enjoy? should we gleefully take pleasure if that man goes to prison and rots there for the rest of his life and is completely forgotten, should we take pleasure in that? Well, here, here would be my a little bit of, I think, honestly, um, that in that particular scenario, we're not enacting God's justice um, because uh, he is actually worthy of capital punishment. Um, mm -hmm. In, in my scenario, you kill somebody, sure. you deserve to have your life taken away. And I'm not talking about involuntary, you know, you, a kid ran out from between two cars and you couldn't right. stop your car in time. And so it's involuntary and you should go to, you know, get the electric chair. But, um, but obviously in so many cases, we are putting people away and then paying for them for years to come yeah. um, to, to dwell in this cell when we should have just uh, eliminated them. And that would have been a totally just response. Um, and to say, I delight in that justice, I don't think that's really necessarily unchristian because how can we um, delight, how can we not delight in the design being maintained? Um, and, I, yeah. and, I, and I know because, because I think of this social, this sort of twisted social thought that love means we don't do the hard thing, you know, love yeah. means we, we, we we're, we're gentle and yeah. love means we give you a hug when you deserve a spanking. 
No, no, actually, Christian love doesn't mean that. Christian love means I do um, what is necessary to bring you uh, to the best for your life. Now, right. in that particular instance, if somebody is confirmed, you know, if they, they have gone and they've done that sin and they've violated in that way, is there a place for mercy? There could be. Um, but to say, I hope that he rots, um, like you say, I think that the, the, the emotion, the sentiment is a just anger, but it's expressed the wrong way. Expressed the wrong way. Okay. Okay. So now I think we're getting somewhere there. Um, because you would agree that there, there would be a certain decorum expected or a certain level of appropriateness, um, that you would want to adhere to. If that man does go to prison or, and, yes, and I, I yes. agree with you about capital punishment as well. That's what he deserves. Um, you know, but should we, should we have a party when the man fries? Um, should we, uh, should we gleefully tell our friends, Hey, did you hear so-and-so got the chair today? You know, I mean, should we, is there a certain level of decorum that's expected after which you then crossed a line and now, now it seems unchristian like. Yeah, I mean, I, part of that is a perception, but I, it kind of honestly, um, and I know, and this is gonna, maybe I'm gonna open myself up here, getting fired at, and 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 correct me, please. I'm, I'm not saying this is I'm, this kind of a little off the top of my head, but if uh, it, it depends on the situation, not that I'm gonna throw a party technically, but if a man is confirmed in his sin. Okay, if he he obviously evidences that I am a wicked, vile man, and this is who I want to be, then I do rejoice if he is removed from the situation, um, mm -hmm. because he he has chosen that for himself, and I choose to rejoice in justice. Now it's yeah. not so, now now for, technically for his human soul, should I say? Oh, but I I, I wish that he were saved. Well, sure. But in confirming himself to say, I despise God, then I rejoice in justice. You know, I mean, mm -hmm. that okay. I think would be. So, fair, you know, maybe to change the scenario slightly, let's, you know, theoretically discuss the idea that, you know, what if, what if Dr. Fauci died of COVID? Mm -hmm. um, that would seem like the most poetic justice ever. Um, and, and nothing would make me happier than to see that man not in his office or in his position. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. cause he's not been, anyway, I don't want to get too deep into that, but <laughs> should, should Christians rejoice? Like if, if, if Joe Biden or, or Anthony Fauci got COVID and died, should, should Christians rejoice over that? I don't necessarily see that as being appropriate. Um, okay. You know, again, you can, and it seemed like maybe we, we discussed this in the last couple of episodes as far as how you, um, you know, how you articulate your disagreement with someone. You can say, I disagreed with the man. I don't think he should have made that decision. I think he is a liar. But in that case, you know, the poetic justice case, this isn't, it's a poetic justice. It's not necessarily like by the laws of the land, he was con rightly convicted and this is his penalty. It's he died and we're like saying, yeah, now that was just, you know, woohoo, you know, um, it just, yeah, it evidences a disdain for the man um, and not a rejoicing over purity and, and justice. You know, it, so in what way are we saying, oh, 
Oh goodness, thank goodness, Hitler. I don't know that it has to be necessarily a disdain for the man. Um, no. Because on, honestly, those men in their positions do more harm than they do good. And I'm not, I'm not wishing they die. But yeah, if they were no longer in those offices, would, would things be better than they are currently? Um, in some ways, depends yes. On took, depends on who replaced them. Yeah, it depends on who replaced <laughs> but, them. But, but it, I guess- know, and you would not be able to say either that justice isn't being done at that point. Uh, justice would most certainly be enacted uh, at that point. So, I, and, and I'm not trying to to make a case for rejoicing over their death. I'm wanting to know. I'm asking. You yeah. know, is yeah. that a, is that ever appropriate? Because I've heard Christians talk like this. I've heard Christians, yeah. you know, basically saying something like, I hope the man dies of COVID. And it's, um, hmm. and, and something in right. my conscience goes, um, I mean, I get it. I totally get it. I really do. Uh, I just don't know that I would want to go on record as saying that myself. Right. Yeah. That somehow sounds so strong. And yet I could see, I could see Jewish people of the Holocaust, you know, rejoicing when they hear that Hitler has, has died. And mm-hmm. I can't blame them at all. Um, so well, I to mean, say, you know, like the Jews celebrating when Haman ha- hung, you know, I mean, they have a whole yes. holiday celebrating it <laughs> to this day. Right. Very good. Very good point. And so even as I said that before, you know, about uh, rejoicing in his death, but then I think, and, and then it's the, well, you're, are you comparing him to Hitler? Okay. Uh, you know, I know that's, that's sort of like the go-to, um, oh, you sure. know. I don't like the way you govern in politics, so therefore you're Hitler and you're compared to Hitler. But, um, but obviously, so so at the line we can at least say, well, at that line, at the at the level of Hitler, we can rejoice in his death. Well, what below that can we rejoice in? So we say, okay, maybe um, Fauci didn't have the um, the government power to order the deaths of people, but by his advice and counsel. He festered a situation in a circumstance that um, created an environment where many people did die and wanted mm-hmm. to die, and you know things like that. Okay, um, it's not it's not one and the yeah. same as Hitler, but can I can I rejoice that you know what, what that song that Psalm that or, excuse me the verse I think it is in Psalms that we sort of joke about sometimes. Let his days be few, and let another take his office. <laughs> that's what that's talking about, isn't it? Yeah, it's that. Let his yeah. days be few. It's not like let someone else, let him be voted out of office. It's probably like let him die and somebody else take his spot. You yeah. Know, that's what the psalmist is saying. Um, yeah. And uh, so, yeah, but, but, but when you actually come down to it and say, I hope the man dies, to me, I ha- there's something then all of a sudden a red flag raises because they wish the same on Trump. And I'm not saying I'm a super Trumpian. I'm just saying, uh, you know, remember the and I can't remember the exact scenario, but it was at a Time magazine or something where it was some gross picture of him being shot or hung or decapitated or something like yeah. that of Trump. Um, and a, you just a say, com- what a- alleged comedian woman holding like a severed head of Donald ah, Trump okay. or something like that and, is what it was. And so you're like, what? How, how vile is that? But then is it vile? To, to them, maybe it's not so vile as it is utterly inconsistent and hypocritical and baseless that they want, you know, you know that that seems like justice when they don't really even believe in justice um, because yeah. they have no foundation for it. But hmm. or, or the people they're like, I, I hope he dies. Is that okay? So 
we're parsing out like, well, was that statement technically correct? Yeah. And I guess I would ask, can you not articulate your position any better than that? Right. Well, I guess what it comes I down mean, to for the Christian is we're supposed to pray and, and hope for the salvation of mm-hmm. our leaders. But I, I guess what I'm asking is, is that any more important to pray for and hope for than that justice be done? <clears throat> and I, I can't say that it is. And I think we have this this fault sometimes where we look at the salvation of mankind as being the ultimate and highest goal of everything. And it just mm-hmm. isn't. You know, the, the glory of God is the highest aim, I believe, of Scripture. And if if a man does not get born again and he does die, and and whether it be poetic justice in this life or proper justice after it, is God still glorified in that? I believe he is. So I think it can but be I, argued that, you know, we can pray for our leaders in the sense, Lord, I do pray that they get born again. But mm-hmm. if not, I pray that justice be done swiftly. Yeah, I think we could pray for justice. We could pray for, you know, I've I've prayed a number of times that, um, you know, that, uh, the, uh, that the plans of the wicked would be brought to confusion. Now, who are the wicked? You know, exactly. Okay, well, somebody might read into that. But, you know, those those wicked plans that are about to, uh, you know, that are anti-God, that they'd be brought mm-hmm. to confusion. Now, on the other hand, also, I understand that I think we're worthy of, we're worthy of persecution for, you know, for our country as a whole. But um, what am I saying? Oh, to say, ultimately, God, thy will be done. And mm-hmm. I pray for justice, whatever that means. Now, for me to name the justice suddenly sort of confines the issue. Like, God, I kill him. Well, you know, God might have a uh, hundred ways to bring that person to justice or to bring about his will without killing the man. Right. Um, and, you, you know, did, did Paul ever talk about, you know, uh, you know so, yeah, when Paul lived, I assumedly under Nero, and he writes to Timothy and says, you know, pray for kings and for all that are in authority, um, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. He wasn't saying, he didn't say at least explicitly, pray that, pray that Nero would die. Um, <laughs> that, that wasn't right. like the focal point. It was pray for them and here's why we should pray for them yeah. and, you know, and how we should live and, and things like that. So in our desires for them, yeah, I would say, God, your will be done. You'd be glorified in their life. We, we would want to see them saved or you know, or glorify you in some way, but how yeah. that's going to be, I don't know that we need to specify that. Right. Exactly. You make a good point. I, I don't think it's hypocritical for a Christian to pray that justice be done on our leaders sure. when we have experienced mercy from God. I don't think it's hypocritical to say that unless justice done upon our leaders is the only thing we pray for. <laughs> You know, um, you know, Lord, kill him, Lord, kill him. And it's like, well, I mean, maybe you should pray, Lord, save him. And if not, kill him, <laughs> you know, um, I, I think I think that would be more consistent and less hypocritical for us to pray for for either of those options. However, the Lord chooses and sees fit to work. Um, I, I just I don't know. I, it seems partly hypocritical to only pray that that justice be done on our leaders when we have experienced mercy, uh, it seems hypocritical unless we're also praying for their, their salvation as well. 
And I want to make one other point here, and this could lead into another discussion for which we do not have time right now, but that is to say this, when someone says, when someone basically uh, brings all of a particular issue down to one man, places the soul of the responsibility on him and then says, now God, kill him, I think is a very shallow view of the world and what's going on. Um, to, to not recognize that, you know, okay, it's to say, well, Fauci is the, the font of problems, you know, or is the font of death by COVID. No, no. I mean, how many people uh, are refusing to object in any way? Mm-hmm. How many people are self-loving people? How many people love leftist ideology? How many people uh, loathe God? You know, all these things. And so all these people are are creating and are are abetting the environment. Now, is he a figurehead? Is he making decisions that are harmful? Yes. But to say that all of these things find their foundation in him, and if he were gone, the problem would be solved. The problem would not be solved. Yeah, Yeah. I I agree with that. Um, Evil and apathy march on regardless of of Dr. Mm -hmm. Fauci. But you you can't deny that in some cases it does come down to one man. And you really don't know some certain things, but sure. Not well, I mean, to go back evil. to the example of of Haman, you know, that came down to one man, and when Haman <laughs> was gone, the problem was solved. Um, and yes. and that that of course is not a lone example on the timeline of history. There have been many things that have happened. You know, all it takes is the death of one person sometimes to change everything. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and and so so all that to say, you know. Yeah, you're right. Evil and apathy march on regardless of what our leaders do. Um, however, sometimes, you know, the Lord can change a lot with uh, yes. one small change. Okay. <clears throat> well, on that uh, positive note there. <laughs> uh, yeah, you're, it does feel you, um... weird ending on that, you know. And please understand, I'm not hoping for the death of, of anyone. I'd love to see our leaders get saved. But if the Lord isn't going to save them if, if they're not going to bow the knee, you know, let justice be done. <laughs> yes, it, uh, it, uh, now, uh, now we'll close this episode with a duet of Away in a Manger <laughs> 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 and wish you a Merry Christmas. Uh, thank oh. you, listeners. We want to hear your feedback. Um, maybe, you're, uh, maybe you're excited. Maybe you're upset. Maybe you're like, uh, these guys definitely haven't thought about this particular thought here, then give us your feedback at reasontogetherpodcast at gmail.com. And if you're interested in helping us reach our goals here in uh, establishing and and, and uh, expanding the influence of this podcast, consider uh, becoming a patron over at patreon.com slash reasontogether. Yes, thank you again for being here. We are encouraging balance, developing perspective, and connecting faith to practice. This is Reason Together.